Welcome back to War Stories for 2023. I'm Tom. I'm Chuck. And uh, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> we have John, up, ladies John? and gentlemen. What's up, motherfucker? We we have had people hitting us up saying, "Isn't it time to have John or 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 Elliot back on to you know share some stories?" And so yeah. we've been we've been working on having you back on because. Uh, things that start started to I can settle down for you a little bit maybe it's a way, yeah. is that a way to put it yeah it's been a, it's been um let's see it's been a year since I relocated um and longer than that since a few incidents happened at work and so I think I just needed a break from the everyday life and just getting settled where we are now and then um yeah I think I think we're at a place where uh we're comfortable and this is home and you know ready to kind of just kick it into gear and live life how it yeah. was in California. Right. Right. And um, it's funny because you and I actually live mileage wise. We live closer to each other now than we did when we lived in LA. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. If yeah. only we can convince uh, Chuck to do that, that'd be nice. Uh, I think Chuck's hey, you don't have to convince He's just gotta... me. It's not the convincing. I just have to have a career up there and I'm, I'm getting through the process so it's looking like middle of this year towards the end, I guess, of 2023, I should have a determination and a decision um, on my injuries and whether or not they're going to medically retire me and all that stuff. If it's going to be tax free or whatever. And then it's just a matter of time to get out of this hellhole of the state. But let me, you li- lived in California. You mm-hmm. work for two different agencies. Now you're living in a different state on your third agency. When you first applied, when we were first applying to police agencies, and spending time down for border patrol and trying to make up fucking answers for an artificial language test that <laughs> we had no idea. <laughs> we failed that shit. We knew we were, gonna, we were like, we're, we're not going to be border patrol agents. Right. But probably a good thing. Um, did you ever think from when you first started applying that you'd be living in a different state working for, end up working for three different police agencies? Mm, the state thing? Absolutely not. For sure. I didn't think I was ever going to move out of California. Um, I mean, if you would have told me this a year and a half ago, because there was a there was one incident that took place. that was probably the last nail in the coffin, which we'll talk about later. Um, You know, I would have said absolutely not. Never in a million years would I move to another state. And if I do move, it's going to be tropical. Well, I moved and it's not tropical. So, <laughs> not tropical. Yeah, I'm looking outside right now. Yeah. It's certainly not tropical. Yeah, definitely not. Um, knowing you from a, from kids, you were like, I'm going to live in Hawaii on the beach. And surf I wanted to. Day. I know. I know. And I was like, that sounds like an awesome, awesome fucking plan. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's just I mean, the you way to surf. Surf. What? surf. You do surf now. Oh, yeah. We wake <laughs> surf all summer long. That's true. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just the way that the cards played out. Uh, the agency thing. Um, I knew I was going to leave Los Angeles probably within the first 30 seconds of me getting hired there, to be honest with you. Um, it, you know, that, that place was a shit storm. And, uh, and then once I had moved on to San Fernando, I really didn't think I would be leaving there at all whatsoever. Um, but like I said, just things panned out that the way that they panned out family moved and, you know, now we're in a beautiful place and I don't have to worry about a fraction of the shit I had to worry about in California. Yeah. That's right. So nice. It's, it's so different and 
you know, it's, so it's, I feel like it's more common nowadays uh, for people to change agencies multiple times. Um, sure. I, I don't know, like, yeah, there's people that get hired onto large agencies and they put so much time in and they do so much effort on the front end that it doesn't make sense to change agencies at a certain Especially point. Especially those that you can't really, the, the, the retirements don't jive together you know what i mean right because you could go to one state agency that's all across the state and even those different small agencies that all use the same retirement system and then you could just leave and hop around and go wherever the fuck you want but if you're in a municipal agency that has their own retirement you're kind of pigeonholed once you spend like you said that much time in somewhere you're kind of fucked yeah and uh big agencies do have those like you know agency specific retirement plans because they have enough personnel as opposed to smaller agencies when they pay into like the state retirement system. Mm-hmm. So like I'm at, I'm at a, a, a job now where I'm in another state retirement system, but what's crazy is like, there's like five or six or eight different jobs that I could go to in our local area. And it would still be the same retirement system, totally right. different job, totally different agency, you know? So it's, it's, it, it, I think that allows those state retirements allow for the switching to be more common. I mean, shoot, there's some agencies, the, the retirement systems up here. I mean, John, you can attest to this. They're a little funkier. Yeah. They're fun- I mean, there's a lot of things that are just more funky. Yeah. And anyway. it's, it's just weird. Like, Oh, that's how you do it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And you know what? And besides the whole retirement thing, which I understand and all that stuff's important. I think now more than ever, as far as switching agencies, um, I think because we, law enforcement has been in such a weird evolution over a long period of time. Um, personalities fit different agencies yes, better or worse or different. And, you know, that was, you know, that, that was my issue. I came from like a very old school mentality and the evolution of the agencies that I worked for started the new school um, hug a thug bullshit. And yep. I wasn't going for it. And automatically I was, you know, I was kind of the, the, the um outcast outcast yeah basically yeah. an outcast and yeah. the uh, black sheep get right. in line or get out right you know so, and, and i'm with you on that i remember you know i don't think my agency now i was told by somebody at my agency that was like man you should have gone to a bigger agency you'd have done a lot better than you know he, you could do a lot better than here and you'd have, you'd have fit in a lot better and he wasn't saying it a big as agency though but what he was, he was just yes. referring to like the old school hook and book, like crush crime, suppress evil, pull, you know, get in, do your job, you know, but none of that. Good people need a break anymore. Dideheads need to go to jail. Yeah. And unfortunately, none of that style is in California anymore. And I know that all too well, as John was talking about, is that whole new school um, thing where it's like hug a thug and let's let's like forgive and forget instead of punish um, for those crimes that need to be punished and do time in jail and said, it's like, mm, let's let them out. Let's OR them and just uh, give them zero bail, you know, yeah. not no bail, fucking zero bail. So right. it's not, there we're not being no... held until a court date. It's right. Hey, we're going to let them out in, in an hour and a half. And by the time you get back to your station or your division and you're sitting there writing your report, you get a call from the jail going, Hey man, just to let FYI, they're letting, we're, we're letting your guy go. No. No, yeah. yeah, we're letting your guy go. No, everything I, I is book and release. It's stupid. everything is book it's, and release. It's done. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, hey, you know, I was the king of like you pull a guy over for DUI. He's you know on the bubble. He's cool. 
Like you're like, okay, I'm gonna take you to the station. You're cooperative. I'm gonna book you at the station, and then you can call your wife and have her come pick you up. You don't need to go to jail. Like I was one of the kings of that because, you know, that's that's community policing right there, boys. That's well, when like, you rob someone, it's different when you when you rob someone and then you they let you correct. go like two minutes later, or or you have an asshole felony suspect. They try to fight you. You beat them, not beat them. You you fight back, right? And you overcome their resistance with reasonable force. And it doesn't yeah. look great on camera because you throw them. some punches, right? <laughs> you throw some punches. He tried to throw some punches. He didn't land any. And you sunk some, right? And then they're like, hey, that doesn't look good on camera. Maybe you should have tried to deescalate more. And then you get penalized for doing your fucking job and protecting yourself, which I think, and it's a good thing that, that, you know, um, a lot of cops are leaving California because it's going to show California, hey, man, the pendulum's got to swing back the other way because we can't keep policing this way because you're penalizing officers for doing their job and protecting themselves and going home safe at the end of the night. And you're rewarding those who are attacking the officers and the peacekeepers. And now you have the criminals running the streets and dictating what's going to happen. Well, I don't think the pendulum can swing the other way anymore because I think I that think so all, all the all the good, decent dudes that are gone. That, you know, have been trying to stick it out are, are now all leaving, have been leaving, are going to continue to leave. So let's say the pendulum has to swing the other way. There's nobody to pick it up. Right. The pendulum has to break it's, off it's and we have idea. to build a new pendulum. Correct. <laughs> you know, yeah, it much. needs it's, to it needs to come swing back. Yeah. Is well, it going it, to? I, I probably know. not. And if well, they, let, they let's uh, let's get into that. Let's get into why. Um. The, one of the, la the the nail in the coffin, so to speak. We talked about the fact last time you were on, we talked about that there was, you know, an incident, a nail in the coffin, one of those moments where you're like, you know what? I got to go. And you peaced out. Yeah. I'm out. And you left, right? You said you never moved to another state. And, you know, it, here you are in another state. It's You said you were going to move to a tropical climate, if anywhere. And here you are in a non-tropical climate. So, now that everything's kind of cleared up legally, uh, I guess we can get into a little bit of why you the 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 straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Sure. Um, okay. So then, for the people that have not listened to like our past episodes and the things that we've talked about before, just to give you just a brief breakdown of, you know, by between the time I started law enforcement and then when this last incident had occurred, um, I had done a lot of uh, our. There had been a lot of um, internal bullshit that I had gone through with departments of them trying to burn me for things that really weren't legit. And and regardless, I was exonerated of everything because it was all made up and it was all bullshit. Right. It goes to that outcast <laughs> thing. Right. Uh, there was that. Uh, I had one previous uh, officer involved shooting that lasted forever. Yep. As far as an investigation goes, um, I was you know involved in a lot of you know critical incidents in L.A. and then also in San Fernando. Um, and then uh, it really what it boiled down to was that uh, the laws were changing. It was harder to do my job. And then admin uh, was not supportive and was shady. And uh, there are things for a future episode, because uh, once those legalities are cleared up, I can come back and talk about all the backdoor shady stuff that was going on with officers getting fired in San Fernando and things like that. Right. Um, so, right, right. so basically, we'll talk about the last shooting that I was uh, involved in. And uh, this is what, 20, geez. Uh, this is like dead middle of the pandemic, right? Um, 2021? Was it 2021 or 2020? End of 2020? 
I think it was April 2020. April 2020. Okay. Yeah. Right uh, before the riots or what? No, right no, no. Before it, the was riots? 20, it was 2021. Okay. Because, so I was going to say, yeah, because the, the George Floyd the stuff had already happened, right? Yeah. 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 Um, Which, hey, you know, uh, talk about the job being tough before and then sure. after the George Floyd stuff, the job, be- the job has become a nightmare. Sure. They were, people were scared to do their job during the riots, which was dangerous. You know who was not? Me. <laughs> yeah. I, I was working the day a cop got shot on purpose. Yeah. Not by himself or by a suspect, by an asshole. Because, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Right. So, uh, so 2021, April, I think it was April 16th, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't know. People can look this up. It's all discoverable. You know, you right, look it up right. on public record. Um, if you guys do go to the website and look it up on the DA's website, it's pretty inaccurate, to be completely honest with you. Um, I don't know why, but whatever. Um, and uh, so, anyways, uh, that night, uh, my partner and I, uh, we pretty much worked, um, we worked patrol, but as a collateral, um, you know, we did, we were the only two officers that worked gangs. And, um, so we're doing our thing and, uh, basically long story short, um, we had just, I, I think we had just cleared roll call or we were out for a little while, maybe handled a call or two. And, um, when you do this job yeah, was- long enough. What's I just that? looked it up real quick. It's April 10th, 2021. Oh, oh, I was off by six days. Okay. April 10th. Off brand. Yeah. It was off yeah. brand. Um, so basically, when you do this job long enough, you know, calls will come out and you kind of just know from knowing your area, knowing your dispatcher's voices and things like that, that like in the comments of whatever they're giving you, um, the call is good or it's bullshit. And right. so... Uh, a shooting had come out. Um, we, my partner and I were on the pretty much in mid city and a, and a call or a shooting had come out on the South end of our city. And basically they told us that, um, the suspect was not seen. However, there was a, an older model van that was Brown, uh, kind of hauling ass away from the scene. And there was multiple shots heard, but again, no victims down. Nobody saw the actual shooter. Or the shooting itself they just heard it and saw this van leaving because of that because of the area that that happened in more than likely we were like that's good that's probably good so even though it was little information we're like it's probably legit and the way our city ran was um you only had two majors that came north south uh through our city so we're like okay if this guy's on the south side he could go east or west and be out of here and we'll miss him but more than likely he's probably going to head north um if he lives in this city because he's on the south end of it so we just picked a major and we're like let's cruise it and see what we see so we start going south and um we start coming into view was a van type car um and you know when you talk about early model uh you know caravans and shit like that like you or like vans like you had you had caravan and uh astro van astro van yeah like the econo line van Yeah, Yeah, yeah yeah like there's only no, 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 not a no, no, no. These are like the um, Chevy mini. They're bigger than a minivan, but smaller than like a full size van, like the Astro like vans the, and the yeah, okay, the Astro van. Yeah, yeah, like the first generations of you know family vans type right. stuff. Right, 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 right. And it's coming into view, and as we're getting closer, I could tell that it's brown. And immediately, like just immediately, we're like, "That's it!" Like one hundred ten percent, that was it. And you know, you kind of get that like gut feeling, like shit, like this is gonna get really hairy mm-hmm. here in the next few seconds. So we're going south, they're going north, or he is going north. It was just one person. 
we pass each other. Um, we black out, uh, we dark out all our lights, flip a U-turn. And what he time made, was this? Um, it was at night. The, the report night. says, um, uh, call came out at 10 58 and okay. then at like so 11, 11, 1130. Oh, one PM. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There wasn't that many vehicles on the road at that time. So it was very easy to, to see this car. Right. And, um, it was pretty quick. It was very quick. Uh, yeah. so, um, we get behind it and he makes a, like a, basically a sudden, uh, left turn and off of, um, Hagar. Was it Hagar? I don't even remember. No, I don't think it matters. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so he makes a sudden turn into a into a uh, residential area off the main road, and then another hard right um, onto another little smaller street. Uh, so now he's facing northbound. And the way it worked and the way it was so fast was we thought he made us, and so he just, you know, basically made a few quick turns, dish a car, and then we're going to get into a foot pursuit. Um, when we came around the corner for the northbound turn the car was there. Like it was just, it, he had he curbed it. He literally curbed it as he was turning the corner. So the back of the car was almost to the, basically where you would walk into the street, like where it kind of depresses the curb depresses. Right. Um, um, if that's even a word, I'm not really sure. Uh, or, or depression, I guess we'll go with it. Um, and so what, so we, I, I was driving and I immediately stopped. And so to give you a picture, actually I'll send you guys some pictures. I don't know if it, if you guys post this stuff anymore sure. or whatever yeah um basically you had the van on the east curb line and our front push bumper stopped at the car's b pillar if that makes sense okay yeah so the cars are offset i stopped and the reason i stopped was because the car was off and was blacked out and i thought if you know in the moment i'm like shit if i keep going this dude's waiting behind a car somewhere and he's just gonna light us up we're just gonna get ambushed so we stop the car, we bail out. Uh, my partner gets behind the van and she's probably at least 20 or 30 feet away from it, kind of trying to find some sort of cover. There was none. Um, so she's trying to find some sort of concealment. And I come walking around the uh, front of my car and I have the engine block in front of me and the driver window. And I'm looking and I don't see anything. And I'm like, okay, looking around, looking around, don't see anything. We don't hear anything. We don't hear dogs barking. Um, you know, in those neighborhoods, they'll tell you where the assholes are. Just follow the street, right. whatever. And um, so I start to approach the driver window and it just so happened that the street lamp gave a perfect glare off the window that I could not see. And I was just looking at glare pretty much the whole time. And those Ooh, are those like shit. terrible orange ones, <clears throat> aren't they? The what? The terrible orange like street lights. The old halogen. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah the, 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 the orange ones are the worst. So yeah. I'm walking up on the car and right literally within a foot of being in this window and mind you, I have my gun out and all that other bullshit, but within a foot, I can now tell there's a body and the window starts to come down. And when you, I, it's hard to explain, you can look in those moments, you can look into someone's eyes. And now that I've been in that situation a few times and you could just know how this is going to end. Like I knew, I knew it was going to end in a shooting. I just didn't know if yeah. it was going to end in me getting shot within a foot away of this guy or, you know, how this was going to work. But long story short, I knew this is how it was going to end. So his right arm was down by his side. And in those seat, in the, in those vans, 
there's no center console area, like right by your right thigh. It's it's just a you know a void basically. Right. You have the other seat. Mm-hmm. So his right hand is hanging in that void, and his left hand mm-hmm. is on uh, the steering wheel. And I'm like, let me see your fucking hands, dude. And he basically just stared at me. And I was like, dude, I'm telling you, please let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. And he's like, fuck you, I'm not showing you shit. And I'm like, okay, well, okay, this is how this is gonna go. So I yelled to my partner really briefly, like to get cover. And I'm slowly trying to, I get out. I didn't want to startle him. So I'm like slowly trying to retreat back towards my car as I'm trying to create a dialogue with him. And he's totally uncooperative. So my partner's putting out radio traffic. I'm trying to deal with asshole. He's not listening to me. And so now I have now retreated back to the left. So the driver's side engine block of my car. Yeah. Redeployed for better cover. Right. So I'm looking at him across the hood of my car. And he just keeps, you know, moving his um, face towards me. So he's looking over his left shoulder, looking at me. He's not really looking over. He's just looking to the side, to the left. Right, right. And um, he's not really saying anything. Yeah, he's kind of he, vacant. Yeah. Um, and you know where it's going at this point, like 100%. You're like, it's in good. Yeah. And um, so in that moment, obviously, we're my partner's coordinating units to come into the area, uh, you know, and what we have and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and I remember at that point I couldn't leave, like I couldn't move and I didn't want to move necessarily. I wanted to move, but I didn't want to move because I was scared that I was the only person that had eyes on him and I could see most of his, his movements. So if I had moved, we now lost everything, even mm-hmm. though we retreated a little bit and we're not necessarily leaving, we lost obs on this guy and he could be doing who God knows what getting ready for it. And no one's going to know when it's coming sort of thing. Right. right? Um, so I stayed there while other people are coordinating and blah, blah, blah. You're making the decision not to give up ground because Correct. to do so put you in a worse tactical position. Correct. Yeah. Right. And even though I was in a shitty spot, I was in a right. really shitty spot. Like right. I was probably, um, I couldn't have been more than, man, I don't know, 10 feet away from him at that point. Yeah, I'd say probably 10 to 15 feet. I mean, I was close. I mean, that's what they say. Right. Seven to t- seven to 11 feet or whatever. Seven right. to t- 10 feet is the you know, sure. typical shooting and, distance. And yeah. you know, and again, I'm, you know, there's a million things playing in my brain. And I'm or and to be honest with you, I was just prepping myself to get shot because I'm like, I have to react to him. And I was like, and I already know, even though I'm ready for it, he's going to get rounds off. He, 100% he's going to get rounds off if he if he really goes for it. So. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, units are getting there and it's funny, there was a trainee that showed up and I don't know what his deal was, but this fucker comes running up (laughs) to the back of my car and I'm yelling at him to stay back Uh because he's Uh now going to put himself in a position to get a shot and B, I don't want to have to look after a fucking trainee while I'm staring a dude in the fucking face and I know he's got a gun. (laughs) And you can't exactly look at the trainee and go draw his fire. (laughs) Right. So I'm yelling at him to run back and he does. So a supervisor gets on scene. Um, he's a good friend of mine and he's a very, very solid cop. And I, and I remember yelling to him. I said, Hey, I can't get out of here safely. Like I have no other cover to run to with, without covering dead space. So I need you to do something so I can get out. And he's like, don't, he's like, all right, I'll, I'll get the less lethal. And so he grabs the shotgun. And basically the plan was in that moment was pump that car full of less lethal rounds the best he can. And I'm going to now retreat a little farther back to get behind another parked car. And so that's what happened. So the second he starts shooting literally over my head into the car. And now I have retreated with beanbags, beanbags. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so now I have retreated behind a parked car uh, that would have been basically parallel to my police car. So now I'm about 20. Like I, I think I moved maybe like five more feet, if not like seven, eight more feet, whatever. Um, but now again, I'm still in line with his driver window. So I could still talk to him or still try to talk to him. But by this point, he is completely shut off. He's not talking anymore. Um, and I watched him. Uh, it's like I the watched, calm before the storm. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. You know, I watched him looking down and I could see his shoulders moving. And even though I could not see what he was doing, I knew he was manipulating his gun. I knew he was loading it. Um, I knew I, I knew that's what was happening. And I'm telling people this like, hey, just so you know, get ready for it. It's coming. He's I'm, I never said he is loading a gun, um, but I was like, it looks like he's loading a gun, even though we all knew that's what he was doing. And um, and now uh, I'm still trying to create this dialogue with him. And now everyone is basically showing up um, and creating this perimeter. And um, and I remember at some point I looked to my right and my female partner had now moved up closer to me with a with a rifle. And I had a and then she had a trainee, the trainee that had showed up was with her uh, just to my right. And again, they can't see him. I'm the only one that can see him. Right. And uh, I remember, and I, you know, it worked out the way it worked out. If I could have done anything better in this situation, I remember my partner looked at me and she goes, Hey, you can see him. Do you want the rifle? And I was like, no, just stay there. And the reason I said that was because a, I was confident with my gun. I was very confident with it. A, I was close enough. And B, um, I was scared that if we had transitioned weapons in that moment, that's when it was going to happen. Right. And I, he would, he and would I didn't right. window. Yeah. I, and I, I, did, I just didn't want to risk it. Um, so, uh, so I said, no, hold what you got. I was like, I'm going to try one more time to try and talk to this dude. And so, you know, they're coordinating shit. Uh, we got a long rifle. On, we got the long gun on him. Training. So you there. have a female officer on scene with a rifle. You have a trainee and you have a supervisor with a bean with less lethal who can transition to lethal if need be. And then he had already transitioned you. by that point. Okay. Yeah, and he, so we have yeah. you. So total, we have four, four coppers on scene and, but you're the only one with eyes on that's uh, in the immediate, not, not like, like perimeter people, but in the immediate area is, I think there was, if I remember correctly, there was one other car that had showed up. So, and I think that, that was the, um, that was the training car. Okay. Right. So there should have been another. So be Oh, so the trainee was not, the girl's FTA. Uh, was no, no, the girl was my partner. Oh, your car partner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I remember I had said one more time, I said, you know, I can't remember my exact words, but basically I was like, I was like, dude, let me see your fucking hands. And literally this, the, the last, like, as soon as that stopped, um, the next thing I knew the fucking glass explode. So I'm, I'm over the hood of a, I'm over the hood of this car. And I'm, I'm trying to have, like, I'm basically trying to create a very stable platform for myself. Right. Keeping as much cover as possible. And so my left elbow is touching glass, which is the windshield of the car. And okay. so basically when I, as soon as I said what I said, the glass exploded next to my, next to my head. So basically head level. Oh shit. And exploded basically into the side of my face. And all I remember in that moment is wow, that burns. And, and it looked like a fucking snow globe. Like, I don't know how to, cause it's all sparkly. Right, and shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to explain that. Um, so, and in that same moment that that's happening, I'm looking down the barrel of his gun and I'm seeing flashes and 
I immediately now granted, even though I'm breaking this down for you and it seems like it happened very slowly in my brain, it did happen slowly, but in real time, this was seconds. Like, I mean, right. not like, right. It was so fucking fast. So wild how that works. Um, so glass explodes, hits me in the face. I feel it. I see the barrel of his gun. And when I say I see it, I mean like, I mean, it it's like as if like someone had put the barrel an inch away from my freaking face. Right. I mean, it was so clear. Which is why people, witnesses who get a gun pointed at them say it was huge. It was the right. biggest gun I've right. ever seen. Right. Exactly. exactly. Um and so I immediately uh, start returning fire, and uh, and I know that I mag dumped him. Um, I didn't stop shooting because a we were in a, like a legit shootout for a, you know for the that split you know was would have four right. seconds five seconds whatever it was, which is all it took to get all my rounds out. And granted, I was what ten plus one. I had a nineteen eleven, so or nine plus one, ten plus one. I forgot what mags I had. Um, and uh, my partner and the trainee start going at it in the car. Uh, the supervisor starts going at it. And then the other officer on the other side starts going at it. So basically long story short, although I was the only one that was getting shot at and was in this exchange with him, luckily they were I mean, defending I, your life. I, yeah. I found out later that they, right. they were watching the muzzle flashes come out of the car in my direction. Right. Right. So that's obviously why they did what they did. So um, I, mag dumped uh did attack <clears throat> came back up and you know it was immediately yelling cease fire because i could tell i could see the tip of his shoulder so i knew he was slumped over the passenger seat right so, um you know i'm yelling cease fire everyone stops and i start going into i start calling everyone's name out hey you good so and so you good so and so you good um everyone was good i was like okay everyone reload everyone fucking reload yeah because nobody fucking reloaded except for me <laughs> And um, <laughs> so everybody does. And I was like, and then I was like, and so once I knew everybody was up on the reload, um, I, I actually switched. I had my partner come over to me. I said, keep, you know, she's got her long gun. I was like, stay here. I'm going, I'm going to Venti, who was the supervisor. I go to him. Um, and I'm like, this is what I need. I was like, listen, handle the fucking admin bullshit. Start making your notifications. This guy's dead. You, like basically you can hear him gurgling. You can hear it. So right. I knew, I knew he was dead. Um, right. Start making your notifications start doing your thing. Cause we need obviously an outer perimeter, uh, you know, with LAPD and all this other bullshit. Um, and, um, I'm going to create a team and we're going to go contact, you know, the car. And in that moment, when I said that, and it's funny, cause I went into it knowing this in my brain, I was not going to let anybody else touch this dude, except for me. I was like, you're mine. I'm putting you in cuffs. I'm going to make sure you're dead. Right. And you can go fuck yourself because, and I had such an anger in my body at the time because I had just had a daughter, you know, my daughter was, I don't think a year old at the time, right? Um, or she had just turned about a year. <clears throat> a lot of things, you know, had changed for me in, in that time. And I was so angry in that moment that that fucking asshole tried to take me from her. Really? That's what was going on in my brain. Right. And yeah, this is the thing you want to get, you want to get suicided. Okay. I mean, point, point, point the gun. Right. That's fine. But right. You know, that, that first round was literally within inches of my head. Right. And, um, so we created the team, uh, we approached the truck or the, sorry, the van and, you know, he, he had, you know, bullet hole, he had a decent, he got hit a lot basically <laughs> uh, come, come to find out. Well, I'll get into that later. Um, so he's obviously dead. The gurgling had stopped. I mean, there's, you know, there's fucking blood everywhere. 
opened the door um, and I grabbed his wrist and I yanked him out of the car and he flopped on the ground like a dead fish. And, you know, I put my cuffs on him and as, you know, as gruesome as that sounds, you know, it is what it is. That's just how we operated there. And, uh, and then from then on, um, you know, it was, a uh, you know, it, it, it gets taken over into basically a, a homicide investigation, right? So you have your internal investigation, um, you know, the DA, will do their investigation, especially with Gascon, who was the DA at the time. Which and, is also a problem. Which is also a problem. And then I remember yes. uh, you had separated and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it was that it was in that moment in separation where I was, I was standing by. There's a picture of it. Uh, I'll see if I can find it. I, it was some news media picture. Um, there's a group of cops that are standing there and I'm. you can tell I'm leaning up against a car and I'm and I have my hand on my chin and I'm just like thinking. And literally in that moment, that's when I was like, I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. Like I cannot, like I'm not, I am not going to continue to put myself in this position right. in this place. I want to do my job. Like I, I love being a police officer, but I already knew that if they can burn me for this, they'll burn me for it. I already knew that the family's going to come and fucking try to raise hell and try to sue for an unlawful death. And, you know, and then mm-hmm. got to sit in depots and blah, 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 blah. Anyways. And then three, I already knew the backlash of what was coming because of all the riots and, and, you know, there's no support for law. I mean, I shouldn't say there's no support. There was support, but it's, it's so muted by the lack of support that it's almost non-existent. So, yeah, yeah. You might, it might as well not even call it support at that point. Sure. And not to mention, you know, within three days, just to fast forward a little bit within, within three days of this shooting, I've got my fucking chief of police who is now gone um calling me asking to, me to come back to work just because of staffing no fucks given Fuck, dude and nah you know, bro absolutely ridiculous anyways so you that your was, time that was the uh the incident itself and then you know kind of what transpired afterward with you know command staff and things like that was was the was the last was the last nail in the coffin for me and, and i knew in that moment that i had made the decision that i'm going to come home and I got to go through whatever I'm going through and handle this however I need to handle it appropri- appropriately. And, um, you know, we need to sit down and talk as a family and get the fuck out of here. Because although a shooting can happen anywhere else, even where I work now, it can happen. It's different. It's yeah. just so different where I'm at. The support it's is the different. support. Yeah. yeah, it's the support from the community, but it's also the support from the agency within itself. And um, and, and that and that, you know, and I hope I never have to be in a position like that again. But if it happens, it happens. And, um, so yeah, so that's basically what happened. And then, uh, come to find out, uh, through autopsy reports and, and, you know, they did the whole ballistic stuff. Um, the, the, (laughs) out of all the rounds that were fired and there was a lot, a lot of fucking rounds that were fired, um, because of of the amount of people shooting, right. Uh, pretty much the only people that had legitimate hits were myself and my partner, uh, everyone has hits. Right. Basically the fatal hits Mm -hmm. Uh, and pretty much everyone else's rounds exploded because, and he was just hit with a lot of shrapnel that would have not necessarily killed him per se. Um, Right. So, so yeah, I mean, that was, that was, that was basically it. Um, The family came out, tried to sue for wrongful death. They, you know, they hired attorneys and lawyers and they basically said that, that uh, he was drunk and he pointed a bottle at me um and <laughs> yeah because bottles have muzzle flash that bottles have muzzle bottles flash. explode windows yeah and it's crazy so what's funny about this is that when when we came up on the car you know 
we're communicating from like the team I had on my side, on the driver's side and to the team on the, on the passenger side. And, you know, we're, I'm like, Hey, you see the gun yet? You see the gun yet? You see the gun yet? And everyone's like, no, 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 no. And this guy's blown up and uh, you know, his hands fucked up. Like I, we, there's no gun. Like we don't see a gun. And in that right. moment I was like, okay, hold on. <laughs> there's no doubt in my fucking mind. I just got <laughs> shot at, but there's no gun. Yeah. What that's scary. Happened? And it wasn't until after where, what we found out was uh, when he turned and pointed the gun at me across his chest, my first round actually impacted his middle finger and um, basically went blew through his the finger off, right? Huh? You blew his finger off, right? Yeah, blew his finger. I think two of his fingers off and blew the whole bottom out of the gun and the gun went flying and then it landed Heck in between yeah. the passenger seat and the, the door. So wow. that's why we didn't see it. And it wasn't until homicide was there and did their investigation and started processing the scene that they actually found the gun. And I was like, Oh, oh thank, thank Jesus. Yeah. And I was like, there was, I knew it. I fucking knew it. And you I was know? like, yeah. I was like, did someone shoot at us from a window? And, you know, maybe. And, and, you know, we thought it was him shooting. Like who the fuck knows in those areas, right. you know, well, um, you know, his BAC was, I just looked it up. Uh, it was, it was high. 0.25 bro. Yeah, it was high. He was drunk as fuck. You uh, know, what's crazy. I remember you going through this and talking about what you just talked about. And uh, then I looked on on the news broadcast, and I think the first news outlet that broadcasted, fucking assholes, um, broadcasted that that San Fernando had shot an unarmed man. Yeah, that's. I think that was one of the first press clippings that was released. And I was like, that's complete bullshit. And then it came out that he did have that gun. In fact, did fire it. Like, yeah. Yeah, that was the first. I think I I, forget, I think it's called the Sun. I like, yeah. got the first interviews with the family, and they just ran with it. They're like, "Yep, he didn't have anything. He was just drunk." Come to find out, the shooting that happened uh, on the south end of the city was his daughter's boyfriend. I guess got into it with him, and <laughs> he went to his car, got his gun, and started cranking rounds off at him. He didn't hit him, uh, um, and that was the actual shooting. So that shooting did take place. The, the, they were uncooperative, but. Um, but the shooting was actually proven and, and that did take place. Wow. And then the family, of course, says that you killed him in cold blood and he would have complied. And of right. course, you know, he was he, you know, they didn't give him a chance. They executed him. He didn't own a gun. I mean, sure. the 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 list. And then, of course, all the local social justice groups. It's like a checklist, right? It's, oh, OK, California police shot somebody and. Now we're going to go through our checklist of all the names we can call them, lies we can say about them, like, and then lawsuits we can lob at them. It's a shit show. Sure, sure. And, you know, even though, and here's the thing, I have mixed feelings about this situation because, A, it was it was going to happen no matter what. It was meant to happen. I, you know, we were all meant to be there in that time, whatever. Right. Um, but the other part of it, like, that I also want, because I know we've talked a lot about this stuff in the past, like, when I was doing this regularly with you guys. Um, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it a lot when, um, uh, when, you know, these things happen and, you know, they're assholes and fuck them and all this other stuff. I'm on board with it. I get it. Yep. I get right. it. But just for the listeners, I just want, you know, people to also take a step back and be like, and just think about for a second, how sad would, like, how sad it was that this, this is what happened. Like it, it how sad right. was his life that he was a raging alcoholic and decided that this was the best way to do things. It's it's sad. It really is. Um, yeah. It, it, it for those people that think that cops don't ruminate, think about 
deal with, carry with them, or have a heavy heart over having to take people's lives. Okay, yeah, he was in the moment we look at the situation, we say he was a shit who was trying to kill me. He got what he deserved. But then when you take the human overview of it and you go, God, what a what fucking got that guy to that point? I mean, he got drunk. He started, you know, I, I get it. You know, sometimes you, you need to to cap some rounds of people. I don't, I don't understand, you know, where, how did he get to this point where right. he's going, this is right. my life now. Right. Right. You know, and don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean you do what you have to do in that situation. Right. I would do it over and over and over again, but right. I just want right. to just point out that, you know, think about what possibly led to that decision-making in that moment in time, which is, which is, I'm sure was a very sad process for him. Well, so right. let me, let me kind of go a little bit on that because one of the things I think we've lost sight of is that the, the statue of Lady Justice, right? That's been a statue that has represented the legal profession, law enforcement, lawyer, you know, criminal justice forever, right? And if you look at the statue, it has scales, a sword, and a blindfold, right? Obviously, the scales are obvious. We got to weigh things out. But there is a sword because part of justice requires violence, Mm-hmm. And she's wearing a blindfold because justice is supposed to be blind. And I think what that means is without regard for skin color, without regard for uh, uh, poverty level, without regard for rich, you know, your, your, how rich you are, like rich people shouldn't get away with it. You know, poor people shouldn't get fanged for it harder than anybody else. But also it has to be done dispassionately. It's not just that we don't consider race. We have to take our emotions out of it and handle situations judges hand down death sentences and yeah i'm sure sometimes they're like yeah fuck this guy he needs a death sentence but there's probably other times where they look at the person's life and go what a goddamn tragedy that this person ended up here and i I still have to sentence you to death but it is it is a, a travesty so that blindness is i think taking our emotions out of it in the moment doing what we have to do that doesn't mean our emotions go away completely and we don't look at it later in hindsight and with those emotions back in because we're not so you know sociopathic monsters right right you know <clears throat> you said something that was different this time and you were so angry you were angry because this person this asshole Decided to do suicide by cop button, but instead of just pointing a gun at you, he fired that gun at you and it made you angry. And it's crazy how kids, because I remember having those same feelings. I was so angry that this motherfucker pointed the gun at me and shot at me. And I was like, what an asshole. You didn't have to do that. You know, you didn't have to shoot at me to to try to get me to end your life. You could have done it a lot differently. You know what I mean? You know what I wonder is if if in his drunken state, sorry, Chuck, I wonder if in his drunken state, he didn't think that maybe when he was popping shots, he had hit somebody and that you were there to take him for murder. Yeah, that was, that true, was, true. We, we talked about that. We thought that maybe he was just not going to go down for, for a murder or an attempt murder. And right. cause he had done time, you know, he was an ex gang member and, and all that other stuff, but anyway, um, go ahead, Chuck. I was just gonna say, I think it's crazy how much, cause I remember you when you went through your first one and it was a lot different than, than this last one, the emotions yeah. were different. Things were different the stakes weren't as high they were high because it's your life but it's they weren't asking you to have kids and it's crazy how kids and family changes those things you know what i mean and i remember i was so angry and i didn't know why 
I, I was like, well, he didn't have to shoot me. I was angry because he shot him. I was angry for a bunch of reasons. But now it makes so much more sense that, you know, after doing this and talking to people, your kids and your family make up so much of that emotion because you're 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 mad because that that person was took you away from them and it's 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 crazy i just yeah. think it's it's wild how how kids change your life yeah you had the first time we got into shooting you didn't have a family you didn't have a wife you didn't have a kid you know um i don't even know if you had uh, i know you'd met your wife but not you weren't even no we weren't serious yeah. or anything you no, were kind of yeah. friends at that point but then your second one, now you're married, you have a kid. Um, did you know you had another one on the, uh, on the way at that point? No. no. Okay. Um, um, yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's sitting back and, and real. And for, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, like the day of, and when I was processing, I mean, I fucking bawled my ass out in front of my parents. And I was like, not because even though it was a scary situation, I could not handle the thought of my daughter, not knowing who I was. Because right. some fucking dude just put a bullet in my head. Like I couldn't, I could, I could, like I could not process that. Yeah, you know. Um, and that happens to other people, right? That's where you're uh, like, that happens. Yeah. To, I, okay, and I everybody knows that I love to make movie analogies, but as I, the older I got, the more the scene in Top Gun where the guy turns in his wings and says, "I've got a wife and kids, and I almost orphaned them today," right? Mm -hmm. Like that level of I can't do this anymore because I have a family to think about means so much more when you actually have a family to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and it didn't help just, you know, going through that. And then three days later, a chief's telling you to come back to work and, you know, you're trying, you're still trying to process everything and blah, blah, blah. You know, it was, it was an absolute shit show after that. Yeah. Three days. Thanks chief. That's yeah. so fucked up, dude. That's uh, so fucked up. And you know what? And it's crazy because, even though my thoughts were kind of with myself in a way of like, no, I need a little bit more time to do my thing. Um, because I don't know, like things were different from the first one to the second one. Um, and I, my worry was more about the people that had never been in a situation like that. So like I, you know, I was deployed, I saw combat. Great. Uh, I, I come, you know, back stateside, I get into a shooting with a dude with a knife. Great. Um, this one obviously was a little different with actually being in a gunfight, super close. I got a family, all this other bullshit, but, but I'm like, I took a step back and I was like, okay, I got to think about the trainee that, you know, has worked at fucking probably target as his first job. <laughs> and now he's a cop. He's never fucking seen anything like this before. Right. How is he processing it? My partner had never been in a shooting. How is she processing it? Um, you know, all these, and not to mention that she got into a fucking, an ambush, like not even what it was like six months, seven months later. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, how are these other people processing it? And, you know, th they were telling that, I mean, they didn't even give these people an option. They're like, no, you're coming back. And um, which was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you can't do that. Huh? It's like, you can't do that. I mean, well, so can, what they did was, you well, can. They, you, here's the shady yeah, part. Yeah. This is what they did because they knew we couldn't come back without a psyche valve. So what they did was they put in a good word and they're, and they got a psyche valve within like literally 48 hours. So they didn't even Whoa. give it a cool down period. They were Bro, like, I hadn't. I, you know when they separate you? Yeah. I had my first psyche eval that day during the separation. Oh, that's weird. Because they were that trying to get weird. me back to work. And they put everyone else, just like kind of similar years, everybody else that was involved in the shooting got put back to work. And three out of the what, five people that were there all had to go because they all worked the next night. And they're like, they made it like a couple hours. And like, I can't fucking do it. I can't do it. I'm yeah, taking so that, off. Like, that's where I was it. going with that. I, You know, I told the chief that I straight up told him, I was like, I won't come back. I was like, you could tell me I'm order me to come back. I don't give a fuck. Fire me. I was like, I'm I'm at least taking the week, at least. 
And I already knew mentally I was not going to be prepared to come back. And I was like, I'm going to fucking shoot somebody else. I'm going to be so on edge. Right. I'm going to freaking dump somebody else. You're going to shoot I, a 12 year old with a cell phone at that point. Dude, seriously. And so, and what's crazy is I remember, and luckily that didn't happen. And ultimately I was able to ease back into work and everything was okay. But um, I remember going back to work, I think it was like six or seven days later. And the moment I sat in my patrol car, I started sweating. And yeah. I was like, oh, this fucking sucks. And I didn't do and everything. shit. I didn't do shit except for respond to calls that night. But you know what? I remember we talked about if anybody wants to go on our website or some of our archives, uh, way, 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 way back in the day when we first started this, we talked about, you know, you're getting in a patrol car after you had gotten into your first shooting and having the wave of emotions and you 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 started crying in your police car mm -hmm. because there was this like it was all the stuff from Afghanistan. It was all the stuff from, you know, it, it's it's an emotional thing. That's why I don't want people to think that this is it, it happens emotional. in a vacuum. It doesn't. Right. We're not mm -hmm. we're not robots. It, we're, you know, God damn it. Robocop is a movie. <laughs> you know, did I cry? I fucking cried and on my way to work. Put that poor bastard back to work. They brought him to life. And was like, Go back. <laughs> Go back, bitch. Yeah, right? The funny oh, thing is, I'm is sorry, that, you're dead. You still got to work. <laughs> you, you talk about crying in your patrol car. I fucking cried on my way to work for, I think, I don't know, fuck, I think like a month. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I, I don't want to do this. I want to do this. And my first day, and I don't know, you said your first day back, you just handled calls. My first day back, I got involved in the uh, vehicle pursuit, and then a vehicle pursuit led into a foot pursuit, and the chick with gangster chicks, and they, bailed out in some projects and I was trying to get this chick out from the car. She wouldn't show me her hands. And I was like, I'm going to fucking shoot this bitch in her back. Like I'm going to fucking dump her. Like she won't show me her hands They're gangsters. They're from a gang that's like very violent. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to dump you. And I told him, I'm going to shoot you. You don't show me your fucking hands. If you pull something out, I'm going to shoot you. And I was so on edge and I had to take the next like two hours. Like I just fucking, at the station, didn't fucking answer the radio, nothing. I told the watchman, I was like, I'm being here for like at least a couple hours. Don't fucking touch me. Don't bother me. Um, I need some time. And when you got back into your first, like, I don't know, vehicle for pursuit, foot pursuit, after that initial shooting, how were your nerves and emotions going during and after? Because during I was okay until the foot pursuit and pulling the chick out of the car. I was like, oh, fuck. Like I was kind of shaking a little bit. And I'm like, dude, you kind of, I'm kind of nervous. I think um, for me, it was more of like, because the the pursuits and the foot pursuits and, you know, crazy calls and shit like that was pretty much, you know, every other night, if not every night. And so um, I think for me, it was, uh, there was no issue dealing with the app, with the incident itself, but I feel like I had so much left over adrenaline and my body couldn't, and then my body couldn't regulate the adrenaline that it would peak and come down and peak and come down and peak and come down. Like, so, you know, I had been in fucking like, you know, hundreds of vehicle pursuits over 10 years. Yet I get into one, you know, a few days later after this shooting and it's like fucking my first one and I'm like, my heart's pounding. And you know, when, when it really should just be like a normal thing, like I would normally do, you know, cause right, it happens right. so often. Um, so it took a while for my body to start regulating that stuff again. Well, so I want to put this in perspective maybe for, cause we, we have so many different kinds of people that listen to this. But specifically for veterans, combat veterans, people who have deployed, um, I want to make a comparison and I want to see, get your, your guys' thoughts on it. Because this is something that's occurred to me just now 
while you were talking, John, is imagine if you get deployed, right, to combat and you get in a firefight and then they're like, okay, guess what? We're going to fly you home and then we'll see you back in two or three days, right? Mm. So they fly you home and you see your family, you see your, you know, your wife and kids, if you got them, you, 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 you start to decompress. And then the three, two days later, they're like, okay, get on a plane. We're flying you back. Do you know the kind of emotions you would like? I guarantee you there's so many people that would not get on that plane and go back. Right. It's it when you're there and you're in that mindset. And when you're in that mode, I think it's probably easier to stay in that mindset and in that mode. But with police work, if you go into combat on a call, you go home that night and then they expect yeah. you to go the next day. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There, the turmoil that has to be created trying to get in and get out of that mindset so quickly is brutal. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was, and it's funny because there's uh we just had, um we just had another OIS literally last week here. Uh, I was not involved in it. Uh, I responded <laughs> to it, but I was not involved in it. Um, for once. And, huh? <laughs> for once. Yeah. For once. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's trippy, but you know, one of the first things I did was, um, uh, you know, you know, people were obviously being separated and blah, 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 blah. But one of the first things I did was I text a few different supervisors and the Lieutenant. And I said, Hey, look, this is, this is not an ego thing. I'm like, I've been through it. I've done it. Um, and I think that because these people have, these guys that are involved have never been through these things and emotions, they are probably going to have trouble navigating these things. Mm -hmm. If anyone comes to you guys, please, please tell them, sit down with John and you know, talk about whatever you got to talk about. Cause I might not have the answers for them. I might just be able to help them navigate things a certain way or a more healthy way than right. just figuring it out on, you know, themselves. Like for, for example, one of the, one of the, he didn't shoot, but one of the kids that was there was, a, was a trainee and it's his, I think I'm not even kidding you. It was like his third day. Jesus. So, wow. um, you know, so that dude, that dude is already, you know, he's already thrown for a loop. Well, well, we're glad you're safe. We're glad you're alive. And uh, I, for one, I'm glad you're up here. <laughs> and uh, okay, I know I you're it. glad you're up here. Um, and we're glad you're back. And now that things are getting settled, you you have an open invite. You can, you, you're always welcome back to come and just sit in and, you know, talk shit to people and have a good time. Sure. sure. And there's definitely a lot of guys up here that I've met, um, like a lot of retired old guys, uh, you know, some guys that work for the department or whatever else. And, 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 you know, mainly the old guys. And it's funny because I always meet these old dudes in the gym and like, they're like retired from other States and all this other stuff. And I always think I'm like, Oh man, I should tell Thomas and, and Chuck this because I'm sure these guys have got some gnarly fucking stories. Yeah. Yeah. For oh, sure. No well, doubt. it's funny. It's um, the amount of cops and firefighters that have retired to this area. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's just, it's like it, that this, and then like Tennessee, right? Yeah. It's it, Texas, Tennessee and here. So anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, we're glad to be back. We're going to see what we've got. We're going to next episode. I think Chuck and I are going to do email and we're going to debrief, like talk about what's been going on in the news and get uh, everybody like clued in on what we're looking at uh, going into this year. So if you have emails um, or if you have questions, you want to email us. Uh, we're going to collect some of those. Uh, you can do that at mailbag.warstories at gmail.com. Um, and we can we can deal with those on our next episode because we're going to specifically talk about what's been going on, what we're doing for this year, and like I said, we're going to answer emails. Chuck, what do you yeah. have? 
<clears throat> Stand by. Okay. <laughs> I, my fucking phone was acting up. Well, I just want to say thank for everyone, thanks to everybody for listening today. If you like today's podcast, please go and follow us on our Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. If you already follow us, please share our posts and our info. You can also go to the link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook and reach all of our socials, our media and website. Our podcast is on all major podcast streaming platforms as well as on YouTube. If you want to support us, please go to www.warstoriesofficial.com. Grab some gear. Um, if you want to be featured on the show, think you have a story or you think your friend has a story, let them know about us and go to booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that's booking.warstories at gmail.com. Send me the story. I can get you booked. Um, we're looking for law enforcement, police, firefighter, medics, veterans, dispatchers. Uh, I still don't think that there's been many or if any dispatchers on. And they do have some of the toughest jobs dealing with things without having closure. Yeah. Um, so if you know anybody and you want to come on the show, send me the info to booking.warstories at gmail.com and uh, I'll speak to you guys and I'll get you booked. All For right. those that have already sent that info, I will be getting in contact with you again. I did stop talking to everybody uh, for the oh, new we year because the, yeah, we took the because we, we took, we took it off and we went on vacation. Yeah, and, it was uh, great. For those that are it was on gear. amazing. Taking two weeks off of like everything. We will be back for locker yeah. room as well. Everybody's back, but yes, we we took uh, we literally took it off. Like Chuck, Chuck yeah, went out of town. Matt went to anything. Sweden. Marco, Marco, and I went radio silent. I literally haven't left my house except to run errands or go do fun stuff. Like it's been amazing. Yep. And I've already spoken to the people that uh, are, were waiting on gear that took a little bit for me to get back to you again. We were on vacation. So apologies for that. Throw some goodies in there. Um, yep. And then everybody else, go get your orders in. Uh, and uh, John, did you get one of the new? Uh, no, Fayo I haven't said that yet. I've got one here. I'll give it. I'll get it to him. Well, I have some stickers and shit I can send out. Yeah, no, I, I, you I, sent I, me I some. Got from my clipboard. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll get some to him. But uh, if I need more, I'll, I'll have you send them. So I think I have some here. That you sent okay. me. All right. You can send cool. a couple more. Yeah. Always send more. All right. Well, until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it. <laughs>